Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool center. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Hello, everyone. It is a Monday after an interesting weekend, and what I'm promoting straight away is I want you, yes, you listening to us, wherever you may be, on SEN 657, on SEN Spirit 621 through Bunbury in the southwest, in the goldfields at SEN 1611. I know we're getting a growing audience through the goldfields. I love their footy there. Digital Radio SEN Peel or on the SENWA app. You need to get involved with us now. I've just flicked everything open. The Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 and also the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. Interesting developments. Round 11 done and dusted. Uh, more of the same from the West Coast. A surprise to many, you must confess, by the Fremantle Dockers. And we've got the wash-up. And Kim Hagdorn, who joins us on a Monday and Thursday, will have some breaking news a bit later on as well. Haggers, uh, good evening to you. Yes, good day, Peter. Hello, everyone. I hope uh, there is, as you've just uh, appealed to them all, plenty of willing participants to get involved because uh, it'll be a little bit of an I told you so. Didn't, didn't we say last Monday yeah. we sensed that Melbourne were a cherry ripe to be got? I mean, I wasn't sure it was going to happen uh, at the MCG, but on the back of... Easy wins over West Coast and an easy win over North Melbourne. A lot of complacency that we touched on and we highlighted. I reckon there was about 10 things last Monday. So Fremantle now, though, what they've done is they have just blown the premiership race for 2022, Peter, wide open. I really feel as though now the whole competition, Fremantle have shown, I've got a temporary comment coming shortly, but Fremantle have shown what you can do to Melbourne I think if you're going to get Melbourne, though, you're very much going to be have to be at your best yeah. on that particular day. And is it going to happen in September or not? Not sure. Come back to that. Fremantle showed what Fremantle can do at their best. And the previous week, Hawthorne showed what you can do to Brisbane if you get on your best and you're at your best and you catch them out and you outcoach and outplay them on the day. Now, Fremantle did that to Melbourne. So in successive weeks, we saw the likes of Brisbane and Melbourne. And only sorry, two and a half weeks ago, two weeks ago, Peter, we all would have thought, oh, well, there's two teams. The rest are chasing third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh. It's now very open because I think as deep even as Port Adelaide, who won yesterday, they go to the bye now. So Port Adelaide at five and six, Collingwood at six and five coming up the ladder, Richmond at six and five, Western Bulldogs six and five. Any one of those four would be quite worthy finals participants as we look at things now. I know it's 11 rounds to go for everybody, but there's such a race on. It's wide open because any one of the likes of Geelong at their best, Sydney at their best, Richmond at their best, and we saw a bit of each of those mm. on Friday night, didn't we? Richmond's yeah. first half, Sydney's second half. On the day, everything go your way. I think the competition has shown that Melbourne, the reigning chance champs, might be fallible. They are gettable. 
Yeah. But you have to take your best. And, and, and it has to work well on the day, and you have to have some of them down. And you notice that, and we mentioned it even last week, and even after the West Coast Eagles game with the likes of Petrarca and Carr, they were getting a bit leery mm. with a lot of mm. their football. So maybe it's a reality check that they needed to have. And as we know, this is Simon Goodwin, the Melbourne Premiership coach, what he said after the loss. Um, no, not really. It's, it's AFL footy. It's a tough competition and we played a very good side and they played very well, um, especially in that second half and um, the other areas of our game that weren't up to scratch today and they got exposed. And as I said, when you play a good footy team, um, you need to be at your best for longer and, and we weren't that today. So full credit to them. I thought they were outstanding on the day and, and got the deserved win. And I thought at quarter time, we're probably lucky in reflection of the scoreboard. Um, I thought our second quarter was clearly our best quarter and they got complete dominance in the second half. He won't lose any sleep over the loss, but what he may lose sleep is the ability they need to bounce back uh, this week. They've got Sydney, which won't be an easy task, but they've been stung, Melbourne, Kim, and Mm -hmm. the fact that Simon Good even alerted his team and the people that have followed Melbourne, that Fremantle was always going to be a danger game. And they highlighted this, not this week, but a few weeks ago. Yeah. And and as we've touched on there, I think clearly a a good coach and a good uh, coaching organisation, a good football operations, a good football management at any club, the better ones will have identified. We're getting a bit cherry ripe, boys. And even when you look back at what the day that Fremantle had on Saturday, perhaps started the previous Sunday evening, when Justin Longmuir pointed out we've been ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that that didn't go down well at all with the player group. I didn't mention this on Thursday, Pete. We didn't get to it. There was so much else going on. My understanding was that Justin Longmuir was spoken to by Simon Garlick last Monday after some senior players had gone to Simon Garlick and Peter Bell. Peter Bell left it to Simon Garlick, the chief Mm -hmm. executive, because they were they were taken aback. They thought, well, you can't throw us, the players, under the bus. You know, the whole club maybe has been a bit ahead of themselves. So there was a concern amongst some senior players who took it to management that the coach spoke publicly about us before he'd even spoken to or told us that was his views. Now, from that moment on, there seemed to be a, a real steeliness around Coburn on, the, on, on heading to Melbourne for the trip. Win or lose, they were going to take on Melbourne. And on the day, so much went right. And it's worth quickly skimming through some of those, Pete. And and as we go on through the next hour and even into Thursday evening, prior to the the game of the round and one of the games of the season now is Fremantle and Brisbane here in Perth. But they tried something radical, something different with the Griffin Logue move forward. Rory Lobb, Mm. they've stuck confident with him. He was one of the best few players in the game. And he played well forward and he kicked things off early. You thought, oh, they're on. If if Roy Lobb is going to play a reasonable game, Fremantle can challenge uh, Melbourne today. Sean Darcy beat the best ruckman in the competition for he, the last four or five huge. years. He's huge, Sean Darcy. He is the most important player in their team. The most important. Like, we, we might have another view on who's the most important and how far away he is shortly too, Peter. What, Nat Fife we're talking about? I've got some pretty strong news on Nathan Fife. Okay. No, Sean Darcy Alex for me. Alex Pierce and Brennan Cox smashed Ben Brown. Mm. They... They prevented Melbourne marking at the 27-minute mark of the second term. Now, this is when Fremantle are out of the game. Melbourne have had 27 inside 50s and only two marks. So that's a credit to the entire Fremantle defence and pressure up the field. 
They recovered from first half shoddy ball use. I thought to half time Fremantle's passing of the ball from midfield in towards, say, the 50 metre arc and into their forward line was really shoddy. They recovered from that by by readdressing things at half time. And then that swarming pack pressure on the Melbourne ball handlers forced them into a lot of error and spills and free kicks and ball spilling. And it, it triggered that, that fast and daring football from Fremantle, which is their best. So as I say, they had to be at their best to win this game or even be competitive in this game. And then the move of Aish, James Aish, on to Clayton Oliver just turned the game. Exactly. And that's what I'd like to come in, is that you judge by the decisions certain coaches make and also you look at individuals that have been somewhere before mm. and what they're bringing to this club. James Aish has been a journeyman. He's now landed at Fremantle and, as you pointed out, was given a role at the weekend and delivered it to perfection. Mm. Then you've got players like Jordan Clark, who was on the outer at Geelong. He's come here and he's become a very consistent, important player for Frio. And the other one's Will Brody, who yeah, was discarded at the Suns and has had a magical season. So all of a sudden, they've bought in, Kim. They've I, bought I, in. I debated uh, to try and come up with my best, you know, my 3-2-1 on the ground in that game. I found it difficult to be convinced because there were so many Fremantle candidates did you put Clayton Oliver in for a vote for his first half, 24 possessions? He finished with 36. But Aish closed him down. I mean, he's had those 12 possessions in the second half. But by Aish making life so difficult for Clayton Oliver, Freeman got 17 clearances in that third quarter to Melbourne, seven. And the game turned around. And even with that, they weren't necessarily winning the first possession. They were forcing an error from Melbourne and then winning the clearance away. And the crumbing and field goals that came from their small forwards is something that I think other sides will now look at and think, God, we've got to clamp down on Frederick. We've got to clamp down on Schultz. Walters is improving. You know, their small forwards, even a Collier is dangerous. Mm. But does Collier hold his place when one or two other players become available? And we'll, we'll mention that in just a moment. But I thought they, it was, the bold statement was the 10 unanswered goals from Fremantle from the 13-minute mark in the third to finish the match and they finished with 13 of the last 14 goals in the game. Now, that, that is an obliteration of an unbeaten group for the last 17 games, including, you know, a, me- a memorable historic premiership. They got a lot of things right on Saturday. Freeman. And don't forget, Pete, they were five goals down mm. at the 24-minute mark of the second term. Yeah, and the other thing was Griffin Logue's role. He was... Uh... He certainly was in uh, uncharted territory on the weekend. Now, he wasn't the best player on the ground, but he contributed, Griffin Logue. Well, and and he becomes very important to this game against Brisbane because if Tabena doesn't come up, and you'd have to suspect with uh, Matt Tabena's history record, he's Mm. not going to come back after a back injury and a little bit of hamstring-related soreness within eight days to play against. And it's a mini final, another mini final for Freeman. Lock this one away and, and they are genuine. They're, they're a top two potential finish if they get Brisbane. It's going to be tough though. It's a very good Brisbane team yeah. when they play at their And best. they'll enjoy uh, playing here at Optus Stadium. Before we go to the break, in fact, let's have a listen to Justin Longmuir for those people that haven't caught it on how they won that match at the MCG on Saturday. Yeah, Curry did a great job. Josh Carr, he um, yeah, got our mid set up the right way. Um, he wanted to give Aishi a job on um, Oliver because uh, you know he'd had he'd had 15 possessions five minutes into the into the um, second quarter. So yeah, he was doing damage. Um, it was more at just our transition, um, and it's amazing against a, a team as good as Melbourne. If your offense is is not right, 
It's hard to stop the team defensively, so third quarter we got deeper entries, we started connecting a little bit more and were able to squeeze up and play the game in our front half, um, probably like we were in the first quarter, but more importantly, we were able to score. Yeah, so Josh so, Carr wanted to give H that responsibility. Justin well, took it on board and it de- delivered. It's also credit to Justin Longmuir to actually reveal that. Yeah. Most coaches would have said, oh, yeah, we got it together. We did this, we did that. Or if they've had a bad day, they'd take the blame themselves. Mm. Um, not often a coach actually says, look, it, that, that was actually someone else's Well, it's move. a good thing, bud, isn't it? Absolutely. How, well, would Josh, shows... how would Josh Carr be feeling about it? Thanks, sir, Justin. I really appreciate it, and I'll keep working for you. Well, he's done it publicly. You, you, he'd do it behind closed doors. If, if it was, say, a Josh Carr who yeah. made a call of, of, let's put James Aish on to Clayton Oliver. I actually, I'm surprised there, as Justin Longmuir has said post-match, that that move didn't take place a lot earlier because I've got, Three minutes into the second term, <laughs> Justin, not five, he had his 19th possession. And I've got a question mark here in big red ink, Peter. Where's his opponent? Question mm. mark, opponent. And then I've also got tag. Do they put a tag on him? Well, they waited till half time. But they waited till half time because you sort of felt they were convinced we're still in this if we don't get, let them go. And here's another one that I haven't highlighted uh, through my, my previous 10 points about what Freeman got right on the day, Peter. And I don't think enough was made of it. When they were 30 points down, Fremantle flooded the defence. They had 16 or 17 or 18 players backward of centre and most of them in the defensive uh, 50 metre uh, arc, 50 metre zone. They flooded back and that's when I also thought Fremantle are, are, are hanging in here and that was a very good defensive mode. Stop the bleeding until we get to half time and regroup at half time. There, there was something very special in what they did on Saturday. You wonder though, can they do that again against Brisbane this week? in the other big games of the season, in round 17, I think it is, when they've got Melbourne again, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, during September. But if they do finish top four and get one of those home finals, a home final, then they're likely to perhaps do that. Whether that's a home qualifier, which would then put you into a prelim, that would be at home again. There's a lot of ifs and buts. But this competition has been blown wide open with what we've seen Fremantle do to Melbourne and also what other sides have challenged at the likes of the other contenders, the likes of Geelong, the likes of Brisbane. None of them are absolute guarantees, even though they're damn good sides, unless they play their best. If you want to beat them, you take your best to them, hold it all day, and you, and it's very open. The competition is now more open than it has been for a long time. OK, yeah, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll, we'll sit on that Nat Fife news. Kim's got the latest on where Nat Fife sits regarding uh, the big game. In uh, at Optus Stadium against Brisbane on Sunday afternoon, three twenty gets underway. And after the break, yes, we're going to dissect and we're going to open the old wound. It's been open the last four or five weeks. We'll talk about the West Coast Eagles. That's coming up next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. It's AFL Night with Kim Hagdon. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Uh, we just heard some interesting news uh, that Adam Simpson is actually conducting a press conference tomorrow morning at 11am, which is very unusual, isn't it, really? I wonder if that's to make up for him not going to the uh, to rehab yesterday, recovery yesterday morning out at Lathlane Park. No coach. No coach went. No senior coaches, no line coaches, no footy manager. Just just the player group. And I can report from that too that uh, if Andrew Gaff plays this week, I'll be stunned. Mm. He's so sore. He's just limping and he takes days to recover from matches. He's not the only one. I mean, Josh Kennedy... Uh, Josh really struggled on Saturday night. Now, I know they got belted by 100 points, 
but Josh. What do, so what do you read into the early media conference tomorrow? Now, you've been to a million over mm. your time as a, as a broadcaster and, of course, predominantly as a journalist. The fact that it's being called at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, Adam Simpson, who normally does them on a Friday. Well, he does it like the, the day that they travel, if they're yeah. travelling that weekend. This weekend it's to Adelaide. They play on Saturday. So he would do it on Friday. If they're travelling that day. If he was travelling the Thursday, he'd probably travel. Mm. He'd do it early Thursday. So, before, so what do you is, read into it? Something, re- something, either, either something big is brewing that Adam Simpson becomes the attraction because everyone will turn up. All media will turn up. You'll have five, five or six cameras there. You'll have all the radio mics at that time of the day because for the rest of the day, the news cycles, the onlines, the radio newses, the TV newses tomorrow night, Eastern States, Fox footy, et cetera, and certainly SEN that rolls all day yeah. with news if it happens in sport. That'll be one. He's available to it. They'll all go there. Could it be some announcement relating to one of the most senior players? Who, Josh Kennedy's got to be thinking about retiring. Shannon Hearn's got to be thinking about retiring. Luke Shuey's got to be thinking about retiring. And Jamie Cripps has got to be thinking about retiring. Now, Josh Kennedy and Shannon Hearn have to retire. Mm. When those announcements come, we don't know, Peter. Don't discount one of them tomorrow. The, the final piece of speculation and guesswork on why Adam Simpson speaks tomorrow is because who the heck else can they throw out there? The senior players... Can't say any more. Yeah. And Luke Shuey would would be ruining using the SHT I'm just going to say, word. what do you think about what the skipper well, said there? He should be smart enough to know if I drop something like an SHT word or it's going to be the headline. Mm. And and if he didn't get advice from the media people, just, just be really careful with what you say because they're waiting. And Seven West Media are waiting to pounce all over yeah. West Coast. They haven't done the that's, Eagles any favours, have they, that's, this season? That's been very evident because there's such a pro, and Fremantle have earned this, but there's such a pro-Fremantle uh, coverage of Seven West Media. Part of that is to denigrate and just get into the West Coast Eagles at every chance. Back, the back page shouldn't have been the lead from West Coast today with what Fremantle did on should Saturday night. Should have been night. Absolutely. A line. Fife ready to play. As SEN can announce, Peter, now, my understanding is Nathan Fife will play with Fremantle on Sunday afternoon against Brisbane, starting on a wing. So there you go. So Nat Fife will play against Brisbane, opt- starting on a wing. That is my understanding. Now, that's been floating around since late last week because Nathan Fife wanted to go to Melbourne. He wanted to play at the MCG against Melbourne in the game of the season so far, but they overruled him. Home game, bypass Peel. I don't think he was ever really going to play at Peel, mm-hmm. even though some greats and experts, Paul Hazelby believes he, he should be playing at Peel for a couple of weeks. The great Peter Sumich, a great football analyst, believes that Fife should be playing at Peel for three weeks, starting this week and then the week after, and then that's their that's Fremantle's buy, uh, the Hawthorne game, then the buy three weeks. But my understanding, Peter, is that Nathan Fife will play against Brisbane this week, starting on a wing, and that's a means of trying to keep him out of the real heavy bustling that his shoulder has to be prepared for. Uh, for when he does make his comeback, okay. So, so that that should have that that was potential news as opposed to where SHT from Luke Shuey. Now, I think that West Coast have pro- pro- perhaps realised that we can't even put our senior players out there that don't create ugly headlines. So Simpsons media conference, but don't discount something else. Uh, someone else to perhaps accompany Adam Simpson tomorrow morning. You couldn't rule that out. Okay. And speaking of Peter Sumich. Uh, 
As I said, uh, he's been featured on SEN uh, over the last 12 months or so, and he has, uh, of course, uh, a segment on uh, Perth Radio, and he said, and I quote, it's a disgrace, it's getting embarrassing, and to win three of the last 20 games and lose eight home games, when is it all going to stop? When will it stop? And how well, is it going to stop? They've lost... Well, it's not going to stop in a hurry. And sadly and alarmingly, you couldn't be sure they're even going to be competitive against Adelaide. Mm. Adelaide are a very dangerous clearances team. And West Coast continue to get beaten, even though at times they play, they, they have Shuey, they have Kelly inside their centre square for restarts. They're losing in there. They're getting belted in there. So Adelaide could even challenge them. Rory O'Brien, you know, got dropped a couple of weeks ago. Bush towards best on ground in his last couple of games, even though Adelaide aren't winning. They're a really dangerous side. So I don't see it finishing anytime soon, Peter. They've lost 17 of their last 20 engagements, West Coast. Lost 10 of their last 11 home games. The average losing margin of those is 52 points. Average losing margin of your home games in the last 11 engagements. Mm. Nine goals? Can I throw this to you? As we know, and he came out, Luke Beveridge said we needed to put... They're our foot on the throat of West Coast. We needed to enhance, like every other club has done, we needed a percentage booster, which is very, very detrimental to a professional club like West Coast, seeing as basically chicken fodder where you need to pounce because you need the percentage. But then Luke Beveridge said this post-game. He's a confidant. He's a... um, I consider him a a friend. He's a man of great character. He's obviously achieved a lot at this football club. You know, we worked together and shared some success at the Hawks and um, I just feel for him and, and the club at the moment. So it's just a matter of, you know, keeping his chin up and he'd do that naturally. Um, the one thing about Simo is he, he talks about unity, but he, he acts it out. He unifies people and um, and he's, uh, he's a great leader. So I'm sure the Eagles will be fine, come out of it. Um, but Adam will, uh, Adam will definitely uh, be instrumental in leading them out of out of the current um, challenges that they have. And that's after Luke Beveridge said to his players, "Go and get them." And in the end, they did 101 points. So how do you read that? They came together after the match, Beveridge and Adam Simpson, who I've got a lot of respect for each other because they've come through the the similar sort of career path. Hmm. I, I didn't like that. You didn't I didn't like, like the appearance of that. That's Adam Simpson. Uh, that's Adam Simpson trying to go on show that I'm standing tall, but I'm talking to my mate Bebo, and you would know full well that's going to create approaches from the media. It's going to create an image that goes around the footy industry. Catch him in the tunnel as you go downstairs. Um, I, I didn't like the look of that. That's that's seeking sympathy. They've lost. By 55 points, 63 points, 84 points, 109 points, 75 points, 74 points, 52 points, 101 points. Yeah, this is beyond acceptance by a long way, Peter. This, this, it is time for the excuses to stop. There's no more COVID problems. They haven't got as many injuries as they're making out because there's boys playing in the waffle. There's boys that aren't playing. There's boys that are playing underprepared. They're not fit. They can't compete. Now, that's on the head of the coach. Okay, so how do you read the leader of the on-field football club, Luke Shuey, coming out and said that we are SHIT? I think he was saying, let, let's read the quote. Look, I think it's we're, we're playing SHT football. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, yeah, and then the the, lead, the the headline is Wear SHT, yeah. which is a bit misleading, Peter. But as I say, Seven West Media are after West Coast. Why? Oh, there's some bad blood between okay. management. We won't go into the politics of it all, but, you know, that is, as you rightfully pointed out, it should the other have, thing I the tell big you, story was Frio beating Melbourne, yeah, and that should have been yeah, back page. Back page, absolutely. The other thing, too, is I can reveal, and again, some people just won't like this being said, Peter. Seven West Media contacted a host of ex-Eagles players and businessmen connected with the club seeking someone to call for Simpson's head. Call for Simpson's head? They couldn't get anyone to do it publicly. So let's start that again. Seven West Media courted former players Mm -hmm. and associates of the club, corporate associates of the club, to make a statement. Well, the story was that Simpson must go. No one was prepared to Could do he that. go tomorrow? Oh. Could he go tomorrow? Because as the press release got major announcement at all, no, it's just a straightforward thing. And, look, everyone's going to go because it's Adam Simpson. In the middle of this, or the, the bottomless pit this seems to be, this plight, this unacceptable run, 17 losses in their last 20, an average of 80-point losses in their last seven consecutive losses, it is unacceptable. The man who's at the forefront of it, perhaps has, is being brave enough to say, well, look, I'll do the media conference. Let's not push any players out there. I'll do it. I'll cop it. I'll cop it, yeah. Because also, he, he's so popular. The media in this town doesn't go Adam Simpson that strongly at all. Mm. I mean, a lot of them are even saying, oh, Simo's the man for the future. Well, you're not going to get me with that. He's not a development coach. He's been proven that. The last two or three seasons have shown how so many players have fallen off the cliff, and yet the players that do get the chances now are not able to play at that level. They're not developing quick enough. But however, a lot of all of them have been on the list for two and three and four years. But even for Josh Kennedy to walk straight back into that team on Saturday night, well, why did Hugh Dixon get dropped? Why does Hugh Dixon get sent back? He kicked the field at the waffle. I think he kicked about three well, in the waffle. He's played as a key forward, mm. okay? And, and the ball was hardly going down there. But if they're going to work out the rest of this list and who plays with West Coast for 223, 224, 225, if Simpson plans to be the man... Play some of these boys mm. and develop them. Give them, give Hugh Dixon the rest of the season. If he fails, then you delist him and you replace him with draftees or you try to get in a trade by using some of those good draft picks they're going to have. I hope they don't, but they might. Mm. But there's, there's no point Josh Kennedy playing. Josh Kennedy's immediate opponent, Alex kicked, Keith, kicked, two, kicked goals. two goals. And he was running down the middle of the corridor. Kicked two Unbelievable. goals. Unattended. <laughs> they, they had their, their defenders, Bailey Dale, Taylor Duray. Taylor Duray. Alex Keith. Yeah, and Bailey Dale. Did we say Bailey, uh, Bailey yeah, Dale? Bailey Dale. Duray, Bailey Williams. Williams. Bailey, Bailey Williams. Williams. And Alex Keith kicked six Bailey, goals between yeah, them. Yeah, defenders. So where is the West Coast Eagles forward line pressure from yeah. the likes of even Jack Darling, who led his play? I mean, they didn't seem to even have to play on Jack Darling. They mm. were confident. Well, we'll just At least he clunked a few contested marks. He was a lot better. He was As a lot we better. take to the break, uh, good day, Pete and Haggers. Congratulations on being the best footy rap Monday night show on Perth Radio. Good on you. Thanks for that. Um, personally, I have seen this Melbourne loss coming for a few weeks now. They have stopped working defensively as a unit when they don't have the ball. As for five playing waffle, you don't play Brownlow medalists in the WAFL. Cheers, Robbo from Brisbane. He's on the SENWA oh, wow. app. Brisbane, uh, a long way away. Yeah, 0429... Uh, 
736 I'll start again. 0487-736-736. Get on the temperate bedshed text line or give us a call. 13-12-55. We need to take a break. As we go to the break, just repeating, your information suggests that Nat Fife will play at Optus Stadium this Sunday afternoon. Off a wing. Start on a wing. Okay. Which also gets him back in the team. We've discussed not five before, and we've thrown it out to, to our audience. Mm-hmm. Yep. And some of them have even asked us to, to espouse what we think. How does he get into the team? The team is winning. Who would go out? So who's going out? Well, we'll come back and discuss that after the break. This is Drive with Peter Vlahos AFL Monday Night Review with Kim Hagdorn. We're all here for Toolmart, the complete tool centre. It's 29 to 6. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Come and join us anytime on the uh, Temperate Bedshed uh, text line at 0487 736 736. Of course, Bedshed experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. Uh, check the range of temper products in store. Visit bedshed.com.au. All the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. Hags, I need to mention this. Double demerits apply from midnight Thursday until midnight Monday for drink or drug driving, not wearing a seatbelt or running a red light. Get caught and you could lose your licence twice as fast. So just take note of that because we're heading into a WA Day long weekend. Now, looking about the WAFL, Elliot Yo Dom Sheed return against East Perth. East Perth won by 78 points. Uh, the Eagles did kick the first two goals of that waffle match. Mm-hmm. I had a bit of a vested interest uh, following it, but naturally being a supporter of the other side. But after that, they went to sleep, basically, and, uh, and that was it. I, and you'd have to be a little bit concerned with how the AFL players were handled in terms of how it then affects that waffle team. Elliot Yo played 50 minutes. Nine possessions. And, and off a half-back flank and didn't look all that keen to be out there and played in about four 12-minute blocks. But then at half-time gets sent to do run-throughs around the boundary, still wearing his waffle team jumper. But it extended into the third quarter that Elliot Yo continued doing runs around the boundary with the, while the game's going on. So who is well, responsible for the integrity for that? of the waffle to allow that to happen? And why would while West, the game's on? Why would West Coast fitness and conditioning staff be so unprofessional to put him out there, be yelling at him about his intensity, telling him that's a good one, you can settle off, pull back. Now, now that's enough. So fifteen minutes into so the so where was it conducted at least around the over? boundary? Around the boundary, initially in front of the grandstand. And, doing and his run there. At, at the uh, at the technical school end in that pocket and around behind the yeah, goals. Okay. And, and then around more the outer side on that outer right half forward flank underneath the old parking mm, uh, mm. ground. It, it just it reeked of desperation, amateurism, and it was it lacked integrity on the waffle. Someone in charge of the waffle at the WA Footy Commission should actually reprimand West Coast for that. He had his jumper on running around the boundary. So it could have easily have been some misrepresentation of who's out across mm. the boundary. He could yeah, have run into call. a boundary umpire. I know there's a lot of ifs and buts in this, yeah. but to me, why was he even doing that? If he's involved in the game and at half time after his 50 minutes, Elliot Yo hasn't exuded himself enough, give him another 15 or 20 minutes in the game, mm. please. Mm. Mm. He hasn't touched the football for six weeks at game level. He's on his way back. You want to find out if if he's ready to play AFL football, well, play him football, not run around the boundary. And at worst, if he was only going to do some running, get him to Lake Munger where there's a big parkland there and do some fartlek running through here. Yeah. It, it just 
There are so many things happening at West Coast that's that crazy. are really alarming. Yeah, that's crazy. It is amateurism. And that one would have been called perhaps And how, how would the player have felt? He, he I'd, didn't love to, wanna... I'd love to have seen his body language. His body language was horrendous. He did not want to even play the game, let alone do all this running. And and I, I don't think Elliot Yeo will be playing this week. Converse to what we're saying about Nat Fife. We're hearing uh, strong information that Nathan Fife is making a comeback straight into the AFL level. They're not going to run him through Peel mm. at the waffle level. Play off a wing to try and prevent a little bit of that hustle and bustle around his shoulder and his body. His first game back, Nathan Fife. Elliot, you know, I don't think he's ready to go back into the AFL scene, and nor is Dom Sheed. Dom Sheed played 80 minutes with West Coast Reserves team on Saturday. Still struggled, hobbled, and was very sore yesterday morning at recovery. Mm-hmm. But none of the coaches will know that because they weren't there. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I didn't know about that run through. That's interesting. Uh, Kim Hagdon just uh, highlighting that. Elliot, yo. All right, let's have a look, uh, Kim. Uh, as I said, zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. We'll get to some texts in a moment. The other wash up on the weekend. Yeah. Um, certainly, the Gold Coast Suns uh, continue to win uh, another win against uh, you know quality opposition. But the other club that is struggling, and we wonder what eventuates this week. Of course. Is North Melbourne, and I said well, to you, "Well, they play Gold Coast." Yeah, and yeah. I and I'm I up, said, in da- up in Darwin. Yeah, and I said to you before we came on, I don't think I remember in all the years that we've been covering collectively the AFL, where we've seen two clubs that have been such a train wreck at the bottom of the AFL ladder, sitting in the bottom two places with one oh, win look, and think, ten draws. I think we've seen no where two clubs. Yeah, we, we've had Gold Coast and North Melbourne, Adelaide for a little while. You, but not to the degree of what we've seen this I year. Think, but I think the real sh- surprise out of all this, Peter, and, and is what is just unfathomable is that West Coast is amongst this argument. But also the dialogue that's coming out of North Melbourne. Have a listen to David Noble talking about all this external noise because I tell you what... It is massive. It's 10 decibels. It's deep purple concert type stuff, <laughs> the external noise. A lot of spotlight on the club in the last week. Yep. Did that, does that sort of noise have any impact on the, on the playing group coming into the game? I, I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, from the Thursday, we probably had our best training session for a long time. Um, our guys were really engaged in, you know, our game plan, what we wanted to do today. I thought their activity, um, you know, before the game and their preparation was really sound. So I, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, I know internally, you know, probably more from Ben and Sonia um, and Dan, you know, there's a lot of emotional energy that you use to sort of work out, you know, what's going on with the noise externally. Um, but internally, I think we were we were pretty good. Mm. Well, he's got to say that. Eh? He's got to say that because it's on his head, David Noble. He's he's the coach. He's they lost also... by 53 points, by the way. Well, well they, they, they weren't too bad in the first half. They were there and there about the place. But St Kilda is, is, is the real deal. I know they only beat North the other day by 53 points, but there's something about St Kilda that will challenge, like I've said earlier on. I Peter. like them. I yeah. like St Kilda. But I think everything has to be right. They have to have a good day out if they're going to be a serious contender to the genuine front runners for this year's premiership. If they're going to really seriously challenge, you know, Melbourne and Brisbane and Fremantle. I know they beat Fremantle in round two. Uh, but if, if if they're going to really so Melbourne, Brisbane, Fremantle, Geelong, Sydney Bulldogs, you know, mm. is St Kilda going to be able to beat them, those sides regularly? That They'd need their absolute best playing and best ball use and slick ball use and slick ball movement at Marvel. That's where they're going to play their best and most dangerous footy. The, the use of Sinclair and Brad Hill 
as and they've had 70 possessions between them, those two from half-back flanks and set up so much. And, and I thought they were both contenders. In fact, I thought they were probably the best two on the ground. Uh, and the like Sinclair, Brad Hill, Jade Gresham, uh, and I'll even Seb Ross, they moved the ball really quickly. And then if Max King has a day out, it's a big if because he's a kid that age at 20, going to be able to have a huge final of some kind against a Stephen May, for instance, or Alex Pierce at his best. Um, you'd have to put a big question mark on it. But St Kilda's about the place north. David Noble's delusional, Peter. He's a dead man walking. He has to talk that up because only last week even the chief executive said David Noble's the right yeah. man and everything's going smoothly. Yeah. Okay, another text here, Lise. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, just regarding Fife, uh, he's not God and he needs to come back through the WAFL and not be allowed to pick and choose what position he wants to play. Why disrupt the side when it's up and about and they have done it without Fife? And if and when he comes back, you'll be uh, peed off if, of course, uh, the players maybe uh, become a bit alienated. Now, Kim mentioned earlier, as he said, he will play this week here at Optus Stadium in the blockbuster game of the round uh, in the weekend against Brisbane and will start on a wing. How that evolved so, during the course of the game remains to be seen. Oh, well, yeah. we have to, Whose spot does he take? Well, straight away. I mean, uh, Walker, Collier. Walker's more of a defender, isn't he? I wouldn't he? Collier. take Collier. Collier's played well here at Optus Stadium in the games that he's played here. He's offered something with his speed. And he's good. He kicks a couple of goals here and there. Banfield, perhaps... But I oh know he's under the sub, but... But he'd be pretty unlucky too. I yeah, think. but but to get Fife in, and if he does play off a wing, Walker started... Walker was out there. Darcy Tucker, who only went into the side. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I thought he was... I was surprised he went out. But Tucker, Walker, Collier for a start. Tabernet also out. Logue stays in. Fife could play off a wing, half forward flank. There, yeah. There's ways that... Nathan Five gets into that team without putting too many noses out of joint, uh, Lisa, for mine. Uh, but one way or another, like it or not, uh, I, I, he's not going back through the waffle, yet a lot of top analysts and football experts have called for Nathan Five to play some waffle. He hasn't played all year, hardly has even trained in terms of serious match simulation, but he is Nathan Five at 31 years of age, 202 games, an absolute superstar of the competition. Surely he knows how to look after himself. However, if I was involved at Brisbane, I'd be picking number five, Robinson. <laughs> to go at to him? To play off the wing. To play off a wing. All and right. Jared Berry has tagged Nathan Fife before very effectively. It's a few years back, but he went on to him at half time in one match here at the stadium mm. and outplayed Nathan Fife. Berry was a surprise move by Brisbane to play on a wing at the weekend and was second best on Grant and uh, Lachlan Neal. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, we've got, uh, we're going to also bring you up to date with uh, one of the West Coast Eagles all-time greats. Uh, you probably heard the news during the course of the day regarding Peter Matera. And also we need to touch on what was the big game of the weekend in more ways than one because of the 80,000 that went to the MCG. The old rivalry well, was, was back. Was it was ripple, great to see it? Carlton and Collingwood will touch on that uh, just uh, after the break. Carlton a genuine top four chance? Oh, I reckon uh, there was a few chinks uh, exposed yesterday for mine. Uh, it's 14 to 6 here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. A little driving on a Saturday night. The Eagles are set to pounce. Can the Cats answer? From the middle, Simpson crashes to the ground. Kemp goes storming through. Across to Hetty. A delicate little chip to the run of Matera. 
Suddenly, the Eagles are alive. Matera sets sail for home. <laughs> and the Eagles hit the front. Three goals to Peter Matera. Three sensational goals. Well, that's as good as Abbott's goal in the first quarter, I think it was. Fantastic. Just brilliant stuff from Peter Matera. What a player, and that moment for the Eagles is light years away from where they are now. <laughs> yeah, but no, we've got a bit I of... tell you what, the year now is going to sour the 30-year celebrations. That's right, the 1992 team. Yeah, yeah. and that's about to happen. Mm. West Coast play Adelaide, going to the bye, come out of the bye against Geelong here in Perth. In During that week, there's mu- massive plans for a big 1992 mm. reunion. I reckon some of the current boys, the 92-94 Premiership heroes, would be quite justified in saying, I'm not so sure I want to go near the club while it's as it is because they're concerned about how it's being run. And also, West Coast will get smashed by Geelong that week. (laughs) Do you want to celebrate what they did in 92 by getting smashed by Geelong? But Peter Matera, he only had had 18 possessions that day, you know, five goals, three. And they only had 260 possessions Mm. in the game, West Coast, to win the premiership. But he's got a legion of fans on this side of the country, and we hope him a speedy recovery. We really do. Uh, Heart attack, couple of stints put in. I believe, Kim, you've been uh, across it as well. Uh, He may need a bit more work to get in for four recovery. A few of his uh, mates are very concerned. He's not out of the woods as yet. Peter Matera, a couple of stints, possibility of, of some more. Mm-hmm. Um, had his current partner not been with him yesterday, he wouldn't have made it. Really? Yeah, that's 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 mm. come from the boys. They're very concerned. Some of them flying over, some driving over uh, from his, Melbourne. His brother uh, Phil's flying over, and yeah. Guy McKenna's going to drive oh. up to Bendigo tomorrow. Apparently, so okay. Nearly won the Brownlow Medal in 1994 too. The 28 votes he had to finish second behind um, Greg Williams with 30 would have led the medal. Any other year for 30 years yeah. before that particular night. No, he was an amazing player. He Some, really was. Lot of his Exciting. A lot of his ex-mates, his ex-teammates, maintain he's the best mm. they played with because whenever something needed to, to happen to get them back into a game, come on, Root, we need you. And he did it. Okay, very quickly, uh, Paul says, will Jason Horn Francis be at North Melbourne next year? Just very quickly, your thoughts? Depends on who's the coach. Okay. Yes, I think you'll be there because I think there'll be a change of coach. Okay. David Mundy out, five in, Simon a clamour. I'm not sure that's going to happen. Simon's a stirrer, isn't he? He should talk to Luke Shuey to get some terminology on what sort of a stirrer you are, Simon. There's no way Mundy's going okay. and he's been playing well. Uh, and Andy also re-five. If you're a two-time Brownlow medalist and the captain, you can walk into the league team at 50% fitness. Don't put oh. your Ferraris uh, out to plough the fields in the waffle. No, I agree with that. But 50% fit, he has to be 100% fit to play. Look what Richmond did in 2018 Mm. when they gambled on Dusty Martin to play in a preliminary final because they said, oh, an 80% Dusty is better than anyone else at 100%. And Collingwood got him. It cost them the game, cost them the premiership, probably cost them four in a row. No, that's not quite right. Okay, let's touch on, before we go, Carlton Collingwood. Uh, yeah. The Magpies showed something yesterday. They did, and but so did Carlton. They can their best, as we've used the expression a lot here this evening, Peter. Carlton's best is good enough. I'm not so sure it's good enough to be amongst the best few. Not so sure Carlton could beat Fremantle at their best or Melbourne at their best or Brisbane at their best. They're going to contend with the likes of Sydney in particular, and Geelong for a spot in the top four. I don't think Carlton are that good. They're not mm. good enough to be a top four. And then they'll fall back into sixth, seventh and eighth, and coming at their tails is the likes of Richmond, the Bulldogs and Port. So Carlton have still got a lot to do for, to convince me 
But they did, when they played with Dale yesterday, they nearly pulled the game off. And I think they were robbed of a free kick at the end of the match. 30 metres from goal should have been a free sh- a set shot as the siren went. They were robbed a little bit, I think. And I think there was a bit of that over the weekend. There was some confusing umpires mm. umpiring, and I thought some of it did favour some. Buddy Franklin... Uh, only got one week. Only got one week. And now week. they're challenging at yeah, Sydney. The tribunal, yeah. They must think he can get off. I mean, I find that astonishing. He's lucky to get one week. If it was medium contact instead of low, he'd have gotten two. Now they're trying to say it wasn't intentional. He smacked him in the jaw. Yeah. Anyway, don't go away because Thursday, Hags returns and we'll look at uh, the Looks like round. Buddy might too, though. <laughs> yeah, good on you, Hags. Thanks for that. Thanks, uh, boys out there, Jimmy and Justin. I'll be back tomorrow from five. A very special interview tomorrow. Don't miss it.